We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. and drops back, throws the marching pass upfield, Reggie Townfield gathers it in on the dead run, and races all the way to score for Los Angeles, a 72-yard touchdown play. First down, inside his own five from his own end zone, sacked in a safety on Rudolph, Aaron Donald and Clay Matthews got to him. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg, a savage ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. a whole burst to it. 20. Side steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still on his feet. 10. 46 yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with my co-host, my partners in crime, former Los Angeles offensive back Michael Stewart and Tommy Avant. What a weekend of football. Some crazy stuff going on. And here we are for part two of the attempted postgame podcast because our recording last night was hot garbage, technical stuff galore, and we threw we'd come back today fresh with the full team, ready to go. Tommy, going to you first. How you doing, man? It's a beautiful Monday. What a roller coaster yesterday, right, gentlemen? What do you think, Mike? Hey, man, I'm I'm with you there, Tom. DC, uh, good to be all with you guys, and and ready to have a little fun with this as well. Oh yeah, this fun? is gonna be fun. Oh, a lot of fun. <laughs> We were already having a blast before this even started. Before we even go there, we hear a word from our sponsors, and we also want to talk about Pricex. One moment. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. All right, so prize picks. They are the premier, largest independently owned uh, daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting play way to play DFS. It's you against the numbers. That's right. You and the numbers. Nobody else. It's not the pros, the sharks. You pick more than or less than six, two to six player stats, and you watch the winnings roll in. It's uh, Tommy, you just started. You had a blast this week, did you not? I did. It was a lot of fun. And you were right. We can play in California. I told you. I told you. You can play in California. Uh, it was a great opportunity to turn 10 bucks and 250 bucks in just a few taps. How long, how long did it take you to make your picks? Not long. I did, uh, I, I did the max match with our promo code. So I got the hundred dollar deposit with the hundred dollar promo. So that was nice. And I made a bunch of, I did a bunch of different ones yesterday. I'm like, you know what? I'll, the free money's fun. I'm going to play around with this one. And out of the, the hundred, Free dollars, I won back 25 of it. I didn't do too good, but it's still fun. So fun. Come on. I yeah. know you, though. You're going to, by the end of the season, you're going to be making bank, aren't you? Probably. 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 All right, so quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and enormous selection of players and stat types. We've, we went through them over and over again. Check it out. They offer weekly promotions like big payouts to Taco Tuesday, which each Tuesday prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25% for even more value. And now prize picks offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. If you're interested in checking this out, go to prizepicks.com forward slash Rams Talk. Use the code Rams Talk for the first deposit match up to 100 bucks. One more time, go to prizepicks.com forward slash Rams Talk and use code Rams Talk for a first deposit match. Up to one hundred dollars. Price picks at Daily Fantasy Sports made it easy. All right, so oh boy, what a game yesterday! I can tell you it was an odd day, at least from my point of view. I'm not sure how you guys felt. I'm sitting there chilling. It's quickly, you know, seven nothing, fourteen nothing, twenty nothing, twenty three nothing. Rams are ahead. And I can have a nice, easy, relaxed Sunday, and all of a sudden, the wheels come off. And before you know it, it's overtime, 23-23, and the Rams pull off a game-winning drive. Mike, your first impressions on this game, I mean, where do you, what do you take from this? 
Well, <clears throat> I take from it, it was definitely the tale of two halves, in my opinion. Uh, Rams looked good, had everything clicking in the first half. And then the second half either took their foot off the gas or just they didn't make adjustments to Colts adjustments or they just thought maybe the game was over. The next thing you know, they let this team battle back. And again, once you have a team down and they start battling back and once they actually get back into it, the momentum and all that swung their way. And next thing you know, we're in overtime. <laughs> and then... it's not something that continues, you know, they're able to close it out. I couldn't figure out why we went down in overtime and did what we were doing in the first and second quarter and just went right down the field score game is over. So just would have been interesting to see had they not received the kickoff. What, what might've happened? What do you think, Tom? I think if they didn't receive the kickoff, we it would it would have been flipped and we would have lost on a first drive touchdown because our defense was exhausted. Absolutely exhausted. Like you said before, it was a tale of two halves. In the first half, the Rams first 20 scripted plays worked to perfection. We got two Kyron um, Williams touchdowns. We ran the ball well. Um the passing game was on point. The offensive line was blocking just well enough to get things moving and we were just driving up and down um the field on them then after the scripted plays were over with everyone started to settle in into the second quarter we started to get some rams drives that were stalling um and sean was coaching conservative at that point going just taking what they were giving him i'll take the three you know, not willing to go for the seven. There was a couple of third downs um, that I was looking at this afternoon when I was rewatching the game that I probably would have went for it just because I, <laughs> I'm i a risk taker. So, And that team was on their heels. You could have gone up on them really, really ugly in the first half, much, much worse than, you know, the 20 points they put up. And then he missed some field goals too as well. So... Even, you know, in the second quarter, you started to see, okay, things are starting to shift a little bit. And when, then when they came out um, out of halftime, that's when they really started to have issues. The Rams rookies um, started to make mistakes. Uh, Kobe Turner, you know, got a bonehead hit on the QB in the head, you know, personal foul, 15 yards, automatic first down. Um, but the Rams defense fresh out of halftime stalled him and the Rams got the ball back settled for another field goal. And then, uh, Zach Moss really started to, um, get his wheels moving. Uh, as you guys know, I drafted him to be a Ram a long time ago. I really like his game. And Richardson also started to get comfortable back there a little bit. The pass rush in the second half, um, wasn't getting there um like they were in the first half and and they were doing some things in the first half that i liked uh, we talked about this last week derek when you asked me what my game plan would be i said you know use jones ernest jones to spy richardson yeah. they were doing that in the first half he was just everywhere he went that's where he was um they did something i also liked that i would have tried that i didn't talk about and they put aaron donald as a edge rusher on a lot of plays 
And that was a really smart move for one. He's 280 pounds. He's not 330 like a typical defensive tackle, and he can move. He's super fast. So they were putting him on the outside going up against Blake Freeland, the left tackle, the rookie out of BYU, who's really good. I really liked him coming out. But nobody's going to stop Aaron Donald on the edge. You put Aaron Donald on the edge, and that's game over. And I don't know why they don't do it more, to be honest with you, since we're, we're lacking. We don't have two good edge rushers. We have the rookie, and then we have Hoyt, right? Take Hoyt either out of the game or or kick him inside and put him at three technique and let Aaron let Aaron dictate where he wants to line up on each down. I mean, that's how good he is. And they were doing a lot of that. Um, but like I said in the second half, jeez, the the Rams were just their drives were stalling, you know, either going three and out or heck, when they came out, they went their first two plays were a pass where uh, that's when Stafford got hurt throwing the ball to Tutu and he hurt his hip. And the very next um, play was another pass and it was an interception because he was in pain and didn't set his feet, whatever the case may be. And for the rest of the game, man, he was battling that. He looked like he was in so much pain, but you, we all know how tough he is. And he, you know, he did what he could, but between the missed field goals and Stafford's injury and the defense being tired because the offense couldn't sustain drives was a recipe for them to come back. And Richardson started to, like I said, get comfortable. And what he was doing is he was throwing the ball a lot to the tight ends because the safeties were so keyed on Zach Moss. That he was taking that Richardson was taking advantage of that, and he was getting some good looks with the tight ends, and that's how they were able to drive up and down the field and score some touchdowns and get back in the game. Um, yeah, it was rough injuries and missed field goals and missed opportunities. And I'm just grateful that we got the coin toss, we took the ball, we just went down the field real quick and scored and got out of there because boy, would the pitchforks have come out. If we lost that game, you guys agree? I think that if they had lost that game, you would have had a lot of people going, you know, it's the end of the world, all of that jazz. It would have been embarrassing. And I think we would have started having the conversation of, well, were our early season predictions true after all? Were they, were those four to five wins that we were talking about? Is that more realistic? But now, you know, uh, you know, I don't know what to make of this team anymore, dude. I mean, when they're on, they're on, and when they're not, man, they're not. And, it, and it's just kind of hard to to put your finger on it. it I mean, it just they don't make sense sometimes in how they function. They don't. Oh, it's it's rough to watch because. You know, we talked about this in the beginning. My whole reasoning for, you know, picking them to only win four games was a young team and four or five injuries away from winning two games. You know, we don't have a lot of superstars on the team. You know, Cup not even being available for the first handful of games because they didn't manage him well in the offseason, letting him practice against the Bengals. Was it the Bengals or was it the Broncos? The Broncos, I believe. Yeah. And he re-aggravated his hamstring. Um, 
For what? To practice? Cooper Cup doesn't need to practice, dude. He's Cooper Cup. Give me a break. <laughs> like, you got to be careful with this stuff, dude. These guys, you're paying these guys a lot of money these days. You might want to. And normally, Sean is like, yeah, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. We've seen it since he's been our coach. He doesn't let the stars even play in preseason. Um, so letting them practice when they're not at 100% was a really bad idea. Um, but yeah, we, a couple injuries away. I mean, look at what happened when we lost us to Alaric Jackson. That was a, a steamroll right there. And then they put, they, you know, let, let's talk about this for a second. Zach Thomas was not available for this game to play left tackle because he also got hurt. Say he didn't get hurt last week. What are the odds that Sean just sticks him right back out there again? And not move no boom over to left tackle. Well, let's hope that he wouldn't have done that. I, I don't know. I, I, w- I wish I wish that Thomas was healthy. I wanted to see that. Just choice. so you could find out. Yes. Oh yeah, my they, gosh. They, his you injury know, took the choice for away punishment, from man. <laughs> no, I just want to see how stupid this guy is sometimes. You know what I mean? Like boneheaded stuff. Why'd you put Zach out there? In the first place, in the Bengals game, why don't you just move? Well, we didn't want to switch two positions on the line. Give me a break, dude. That's the dumbest excuse I've ever heard. Like, and then no boom yesterday was a liability. I don't care what anybody says. His his pass blocking was like, the PFF score was like in the 30s. Oh, it was so bad. He was getting smoked by Samson Ibukam, bro. Come on, man. <laughs> whom we know very well, by the way. <laughs> this, I, I mean, he's a he's, Nobum's a free agent at the end of the year, right? Please let him go. Just oh. have a nice day, dude. Come on, man. Wow, he's got to go. He's a liability. Hey, so, he's, uh, tell he, us you, how you, you really feel, there, <laughs> bro. I watched a three hundred pound grown man. On TV this afternoon, I rewatched it and I was keying in on positions. I'll just stare at number 70 for like 10 plays in a row. Man, he, he is not a tough dude. He just looks super uninterested in physical contact with another grown man. But you play offensive line. It doesn't make any sense. He's not good, dude. Mike, your thoughts here? Well, I'm I'm gonna push back on Tom a little bit as far as uh you know the practicing at Cooper Cup in the sense that you gotta remember the makeup of a guy like Cooper Cup. You know, went to Eastern Washington, uh redshirted his rookie freshman year there, came on strong though the next four years. Uh but a guy like him is a grinder. his 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 idea, I'm sure, is like let me get out of here and get some work in. So I don't know if, you know, the coaches would have been able to hold him back. I mean, you would think if he's, you know, a little bit injured and all that kind of stuff, definitely should be holding you out. So you don't re-aggravate or make it worse. But just on Cooper Cuff said, he's he's a guy that's going, you know, bring his lunch pail and hard hat and, and go to work. So it'll be interesting going because, as you know, Tom, uh, those hammies can be something that it seems to be coming up each year now with him. So 
I don't know what they have. Obviously, they got all kinds of different things from sleeping in chambers to acupuncture and whatever else. I'm sure they're doing everything possible, but I just hope it's not one of those things that every time he really opens up, you know, it's it's strained and things like that. So I just hope that's not the case. Uh, again, they're not going to really tell us truthfully what's going on. So, but yeah, but I, but getting back to the O line and and our guy, uh, yeah, you would just think that it would be a little bit more dominance on on his part. Note, Boomy, uh, I'm talking about you know having now been in the league a number of years, you know, been pretty much in the lineup when he's not hurt. So you're you're looking for someone to eventually take over that old line and really lead it in a way that it needs to be led. So yeah, I don't I don't I don't know if he he he's that type of guy. Just doesn't seem like he's progressed to the to the point of dominance. You know, again, I play with a guy like Jackie Slater and Irv Panky, Tom Newberry, those guys used to get after it. You know, the the Doug Smiths and you would look at them and think like, well, not so much Jackie and Irv, but, you know, Newberry and Doug Smith, you know. But, man, those guys went to work and uh, you were going to have to do something to get by them. So hopefully they can get those things shored up. But I think overall, as you guys will all note it, we need to have more consistency across the board. We just can't have the highs and the lows. but. Uh, I'll go with you a little bit, Derek. You know, maybe part of that is growing pains with with a younger team. But uh, I think if they can just get those things ironed out and just be more consistent, then you, you're looking at a team that may overachieve this year. Well, and that's my my thought process is there's a lot of things we can complain about, but at the root of it, they're also really young and. A lot of these guys are brought in and weren't brought in to be stars. They were brought in to develop and become, you know, role players in this team. And here you got a couple guys who are stepping out like Puka Nakua and actually becoming a star. That's good to have. That 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 shows they made some smart decisions in the draft, which I think every one of us this year universally praise. Am I wrong? Did we not praise this draft, guys? We did. Draft was fantastic. So I mean, so that was what we were looking for. And, and so they're on the right path. There are gonna be growing pains, there are gonna be there are many weeks, but you know there are some things you can blame on on player performance. There's some things you can look at the, the coaching staff, and you know it's almost like in the first half, all of those criticisms from last week they chose to address. All of a sudden, they're running the football all over the place, they're mixing it up. There, you know, it was a pretty balanced game. The the Rams had 38, uh, sorry, 78 plays. 36 of them were rushes. That's, that's, that's good for the Rams. 40 passes and, and two sacks they took. So that's, that's a pretty good split for them. And, they, and sure enough, what we all know they can do when focused, they actually ran the ball well, averaging 4.6 yards a carry, 164 yards total, 6 yards per play. I mean, that was their formula. They, they go out there and, and they can put, you know, in terms of ball control, they can put this game out of your reach real quick. They held the ball. For almost forty minutes, out you know, out of the sixty-five, that is phenomenal on their part, and yet it comes down to overtime, and they barely hold on. The defense is gas, and it's just I'm looking at that 
that point in the third quarter through the fourth quarter where I'm wondering what happened here. Was it the inexperience? Was it poor preparation? In the end, what caused the breakdown that the Colts were even back in this game? You watched the film, Tom, what did you see? What was it specifically that, that you saw the breakdown actually begin? It was, the, it was when the Rams came out in the second half and their first play was a pass. Okay, you're up that many points and you're going to throw the ball. Okay, and they threw it and Stafford got killed. Very first play. The next play, they throw it again and it's an interception. As soon as they did that, I was like, yep, this is going to be a fun half. Here we go. And and after that, because Stafford was hurt, we could not sustain drives. A couple of them we did, but we had some three and outs, you know, a punt. We had, we couldn't keep the defense off the field and they were getting tired. And everyone on Twitter was like, oh my God, the defense is ruining the game in the second half. And I was like, every person that said that, I was like, you really never played defensive football before. I lived it. I would come off the field sometimes so angry. I would, when my offense was coming out, I would say, the next time you guys go three and out, we're fighting in the locker room after the game. I will fight you. Like, I would get that mad, dude, because I'm out there making sure that we're, my defense was good a lot of times, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. And just for them to go three and out right back. And I'm like, oh my God, these guys are killing me. I can't breathe. Like, I would tap out and get my backup safety in there. Hey, go play, dude. I'm done. These guys don't want to play football today. Neither do I. Like, give me a break, dude. And in this instance, it wasn't that situation. Okay. It was Stafford was hurt. We were down. Our, our you know, Alaric Jackson not being at left tackle was a problem. And our defense just got tired. And eventually, I mean, that's what I was worried about. Richardson is a running quarterback. So between him and Zach Moss with the RPO stuff and him getting the ball out of his hands quickly, and not only quickly, but, man, he was getting the ball downfield quickly. His deep passes are phenomenal. He cleans up his short game and his ability to read defenses, and the, he's going to put the rest of the NFL on notice, dude. And also learn to not run like a running back. He did fumble the ball early in the game, running it, and we got it back. You know, it was one of the reasons why we were able to go up on them so much in the first half. But it just came down to Stafford's injury and two missed field goals and the defense getting tired. That's it, dude. That's all I saw. Yeah, Tommy, I don't I don't want you to over or we shouldn't overlook because when you you know you look at it in totality. You know, you're up 14-0. You go down there, make a field goal to 17-0. Come down, make another field goal. It's 20-0. Well, if either one of those is a touchdown, now you're, what, 27-20-24-0? And then we have a missed field goal. So it stayed at 20. Then we had another field goal made at 23, interception, then another missed field goal. So. Even if you make the even if you make the field goals, it's a different game. But if those opportunities that ended up in field goals, if those are scores or just half of them, one score and another score, I mean the game is somewhat out of reach. 
by halftime almost, you know, definitely in the third quarter. So uh, when you combine all those things, not getting seven when you should get seven, uh, that allows a lot. So 23 to nothing is a lot better than 28 or 35 nothing. So. In the end, though, they had in the end. You're talking about decisions made by the coaching staff from the get go, though, from coming out throwing yes, the ball. Yeah. You know that, you know, kind of set the tone. You're always going to hold the players responsible for their play, but you know you, the job of the head coach and his staff is to make sure your players are in the best position to win. And quite frankly, if you're up big at halftime, there's no reason to come out right away and throw the ball around, especially no. when your guy at left tackle isn't playing well. Yeah, I would have. I would have let my offensive line. I would have rewarded my offensive line and let them eat. You guys want to go have some fun in the second half? We're gonna go eat. I'm gonna let you guys beat some dudes up. That would have been my reward because your offensive linemen love to run the ball. They hate to pass block. So give them a reward for doing so well in the first half by pushing it down their throats a little bit more. They should have came out and and chipped away at the clock early. You know, even if they went three and out on the first drive and took quite a few minutes off by running the ball. That's a, that's a win, right? Give your defense even more time to rest through halftime and into the third quarter and let them tee off, you know, let them tee off on Richardson. And you know what I respected about the Colts being down 23 to zero is they didn't flinch. They didn't flinch at all. They kept running the ball in the second half with Zach Moss to keep the defense honest. And that's how they were able to get those deep passes to those tight ends and start moving the ball down the field in big chunks. So respect to the Colts coaching staff for understanding that, yeah, you're down 23 to zero, but you still have a whole half to go. Mad respect for that, dude. It was impressive. I mean, and it works, right? The idea that you should stop running the football even when you're down big, it, to me, makes no sense. Like, you're making yourself one-dimensional. You're telling the defense, you're letting them know, hey, go ahead and tee off on us because this is what we're going to do. In the second half, the key was after Stafford got hurt, every passing play, was out of the shotgun because he couldn't run play action anymore. So every time he was in the shotgun, the defense knew that he was going to throw the ball. And that's why he got hit so many times after his injury in the second half. It was easy to see. If I could see it from my couch, all them players and coaches saw it too. All right, guys. Some pauses from the game. I was going to start with you. Mike, just tell us, you know, one good pause if you can't take for the game. Because I don't want people to think we're just here to, to pick on it. It was an opportunity after a loss to kind of look at some things going right and went wrong. And let's look at some things that went right. Well, obvious positive is they can score points when they stick to their what looks like a great game plan. Definitely were able to run the ball a lot better than the previous week. So just keep it 
keep it going, keep it going. And I, I like the combination of, you know, running and passing, uh, but doing that effectively, you know, passing to just pass doesn't make a lot of sense or run to just run doesn't make a lot of sense. But the way they ran it and passed it uh, on Sunday was was effective in putting up points. We got to just get our field goal kicker if we are in no situation to make sure he's knocking them through. But hopefully we can go ahead. But a big positive, the running game uh, looks to be getting on track. Tommy? Uh, positives from the game, they they had a great game plan. Stafford got hurt. There's nothing you could do about that. That really made our offense one-dimensional in a sense where, like I said, you knew when he was going to throw the ball because they had to back him off and put him in the shotgun. Um, Overall, the positives of this team, guys, because it's our job to evaluate the games respectively. We're not going to come on here and just, you know, give everyone flowers, right? We're going to be honest in our assessments. And we won the game, but we're going to tell you why we almost lost it. But let me just say this. And Cooper Cup is supposedly coming back this week, I hope, because we're playing the Eagles and SoFi, and yikes, man. And by the way, uh, it was 70 degrees yesterday in Los Angeles. Um, This Sunday, it's going to be in the 90s. Um, Luckily, the stadium is in Inglewood now, and it's going to be 70. It's forecasted to be 79, which is a little uncomfortable inside SoFi at 79, believe it or not, if there's no breeze. But this team is starting... Yeah, it's brutal, dude. This uh, this team, starting 22 players, can play with anybody right now if they play mistake-free football and they're healthy. That's what I've seen so far this year. These young players are good, they're tough, and they want to fight. And I have a lot of respect for this young roster, and I'm very proud of them. Um, you get Cooper Cup. Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell on the field at the same time with a healthy offensive line and Kyron out there. I feel Higgs, you know the drill. I feel sorry for defenses. I really do. They're going to be in trouble. So that's my positive for this team in general. They're good, guys. They're a lot better than we thought. We just need to stay healthy. We're getting banged up and we're starting to see if you get banged up, this season could go sideways real quick. But we're they good. They don't have. Yeah, they don't have the depth to really, you know, to really keep losing guys. So they're going to have no. to keep, you know, the guys stay healthy. Uh, you know, I, I liked the fact that there was a bit of a chip on Sean, you know, Sean McVay's shoulder. You know, it, it was a rough week. If you, you know, the criticism coming his way from from his own fan base, honestly, and well deserved, and for probably one of the worst game plans we've ever seen last week. For him to come out and really just dominate that first half, you know, that says a lot that they do know how to game plan right now. He just, he, he, that's why he's so frustrating, though, because he, he just gets tunnel vision. He, he just, I don't know what it is. We've, we've covered that ad nauseum. Don't really know what it is, but he proved that there's a formula for the Rams to win and to compete with the best. And then again, this team could have packed it up. The defense was tired. Everybody's tired, and they they threw away a lead. They were on the road in Indianapolis. So you know that that stadium's loud. 
And they found a way in overtime to win that game, not just win it with a field goal, but go down there and score a touchdown and put it away. You know, that is a big deal overall for in terms of character and resilience and that stuff that you're looking for as a team begins to build itself into what it's going to be in the next few years. So, you know, those are a lot of the positives I saw. And, and by the way, the game plan, overall defensive game plan, by the way, was phenomenal. They they really just shut them down. This wore up. It, yeah, it was. The only issue that I saw in the second half was the the safeties having trouble deciding who they who they were going to play and, and how the play was going to play out. They were so keyed, and this is why I told you I respected the Colts' game plan in the second half, because they didn't shy away from the holistic game plan, and they were still running the ball with Zach and keeping them safeties honest, and that's how they were able to take advantage of those those one-on-one matchups with Russ East and Jordan Fuller against the tight ends. Um, it, was, it was a smart game plan on them. They had to find a wrinkle in how can we you know, do something against this defense because we've been struggling against them all game long. And that was their, that was their saving grace. And that was really the only issues I saw on defense other than the boneheaded um, rookie penalties by a couple players, which happened, you know, it's part of the game. They're, they're all learning still. It is what it is. They're getting aggressive, but this team is, this team is good, man. We should all be proud. This season was about growth and watching a bunch of young guys grow together. And, Nobody thought they were going to look like this four games into the season being two and two. Um, Yeah. This is going to be a fun season. I'm enjoying every week, guys. I'm enjoying it. Win, lose, or draw. I'm enjoying watching this team play football. I did not enjoy that Cincinnati game. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, well, that one, yeah. I did did not enjoy that game. No, but you're Not speaking specifically against one game. I'm just talking about the season in general. You know, we this team, we thought this team was going to be a lot worse than it is. And these guys, these kids are good, man. I mean, who would have thought Puka Nakua would be in the run yeah. for rookie of the year? And yeah, yeah, yeah. man, he's <laughs> wow. Hey, real quick, uh, fellas, what do you guys make of Van Jefferson? Um. It doesn't matter. He's a free agent at the end of the season, so he can sit the bench when Cooper Cup comes back. There's a couple people on social media that were, oh, man, so many fans say so much boneheaded stuff. I wish they would just watch the game and learn something and stop talking because they were saying, this one guy said that when, well, it doesn't matter. When Cooper Cup comes back, Puka Nagu is going to the bench, and I'm all, <laughs> is, he, is he really saying this out loud? Like, no, he's not. Van Jefferson, you got four receivers right there. Your 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 depth chart of those four guys. Van's going to the bench. Tutu is not coming out of the game. If there's three no, Van, receivers Van on Jefferson the field, Jefferson is already on the bench. If you didn't notice last game, he wasn't. He, he I don't know if he started started, but when I saw him, he was over there on the bench. He was the fourth dude coming in. Caught those couple rocks. So I, I just, I don't know. I'm just looking at his body language again. He just seems like as soon as Cooper Cup comes back, we might see him on the waiver wire. Yeah, he's he's not, you know, we're not going to re-sign him. We tr- the first two picks of that draft, Cam Akers just got traded to the Vikings, and man, Jefferson is, he won't be on the team next year, you know, so I'm not really worried about him. He's there if we need him, if people start getting hurt. but when when Cup comes back, it's cut. If there's a three wide receiver set, he's not in it. 
the, the crazy thing about that twofold one as is when Jefferson was drafted, Mike, I remember how high you were on him. Yeah. I remember how high you were and I was high on him too. I really felt like he could be the next great possession receiver in that team, ran great routes, was known for his hands. And yet he never emerged. He never emerged. Even now in a wide receiver room where he should be emerging, he, he isn't emerging. Instead, a guy that we all bagged on for years, Tutu Atwell comes forward, and now he's clearly ahead of, uh, of Van Jefferson on the death chart, and deserves to be, by the way. He's making more plays. He should be out there. I mean, it, it's, he's earned it's, it in year three. You he know, definitely I, has. Tutu, everyone, you know, nobody ever said Tutu Atwell couldn't play football in the NFL. It was. It's always going to be where you're drafted is where is how you're going to be viewed. That's just the way it is. Zach Wilson has a microscope on him because he was drafted number two overall. He never should have been. That's not his <laughs> exactly. fault. That's right, not right, his fault. Right. right. You don't get, he doesn't pick where he goes. Somebody else does that. So Tutu being drafted in the second round, he had a microscope on him. If he was drafted in the sixth where he was supposed to be drafted, around there, five to seven, nobody would have worried about it. Nobody had any expectations for Puka Nakua because he was a fifth-round pick. you know. But then he comes in and balls out. Cooper Cup was a third-round pick. you know. Your draft position is going to dictate how fans react to the players. Okay, so... Me thinking Tutu is a sixth round, seventh round pick, seeing him perform in year three, that makes sense, right? Makes sense, right? You just watched the Colts have a seventh round linebacker from 2018 draft. He starts now and he's really good. And he this offseason he went and he worked right. with Bobby Wagner, Bobby Wagner to try to be better. This guy led the league. In tackles last year as a seventh right. round pick. All right, dude. Like, it's all predicated on that. Period. Nobody ever said Tutu Atwell couldn't play football. Just, you know, maybe should have took him a little bit later. But it is well, what it I, is. I, it's performing now, and that's all that matters. I think what happened, though, with Tutu as well is uh, the receiver that uh, went to Houston, it was here. That was smaller in stature as well. I think Brandon. it had it, Brandon, yeah. So I think it had a little bit to do with that as well. Uh, but what I do like is when a guy kind of gets his number called a number of times and makes plays. The thing I started worrying about Van uh, was that maybe he put more pressure on himself. You know, I know somewhere he said, yeah, I want to, you know, have a longer or better career than my dad or something like that. Shouldn't have said that. But what I noticed early on is he catches with his body a lot, not his hands. So when you start seeing, you know, a body catcher, it's like, uh, that that kind of concerned me a little bit. But he made a heck of a grab on that third down uh, leading into, I think the next play was when Puka Nakua uh, ended up catching that one for the touch. But that third down catch he made was was tremendous. It was a heck of a throw, too, by staff. But it's like, okay, man, why aren't you making those types of catches more as opposed to maybe it looking like it's a one-catch wonder, if you know what I mean? So 
Yeah, I don't see I I don't see room when when especially when when Cup come back. I I just don't see where he's gonna be able to get back in the rotation. He's in a contract year. If you're in a contract year and playing on your rookie deal and you're not balling out, uh, I don't know what to tell you, man. You yeah, should be chasing that time, money. Chase yeah, the money. Was, yeah, man. If there was ever a time for him to step up, it's now. Exactly. Yeah, every 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 guy you see in a contract year, sudden like look at look at a uh, <clears throat> look at uh what's his face uh, Chase Young, the injury prone has barely played fifty percent if that of the game since he's been drafted in twenty twenty number two overall pick. Amazing football player. Oh my god, he's so good, but he can't stay healthy. He's in a contract year. Look at him. Look what he's doing, guys. Pay attention to Washington. Hell yeah! Trying to get, trying to get that money. You know what I mean? Like Van Jefferson, what are you doing? You don't like money? You don't like money? All you got to do is catch a football. It's not like you're, you know, reinventing the wheel or anything. Just catch the damn ball. Yeah, but now you're talking though. Opportunity looks like it's slipping away. If you can't be on the field, you don't get no chance to catch no rocks. So that's that's kind of what it's yeah. So I don't know. I just want to get you guys opinion because again, like you said, Derek, I was very high on him. Uh, you know, watched him a lot at Florida. I'm like, oh man, we, we got us a guy. And then, you know, there was some glimpses, but you know, I don't know, maybe the COVID stuff for some guys, it, it, I don't know, maybe it took their love away from the game or I don't know. It's just, it's just, uh, it's just interesting to see you know, how things go. So it'll be interesting to see how Cam Akers plays now that he's not on the Rams for whatever reason. Uh, and maybe he'll play a little harder, in my opinion, because he got a little chip on his shoulder. I'm going to prove to the world. Uh, but sometimes, you know, guys have to go to a different spot to either get reinvigorated and excited about playing or to prove a point. So we'll see. Well, the, the name that comes to mind is Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds showed flashes here. And I never really believed that Sean McVay used him the way he's, he was meant to be used. And now he's become a fine football player. And basically, you know, in the end, right now, he is Jared Goff's go-to guy. When, when Goff's in a fix, he's looking for Reynolds out there in Detroit. And he's having an, he's, he's filling a nice role there. And yet... I, I can see that happening for Jefferson just as easily. But why didn't it work here? For either guy, why didn't it work here? It's just, it's, it's sad to see. These are reasonably good draft picks. Josh Reynolds was supposed to become a deep threat here where he had the size of the legs for it and didn't work out. And, and nonetheless, he's doing just fine in Detroit and happy for him, by the way. Just yeah, you want to know why? Here. You want to know why these players are taking so long to develop because we're drafting receivers when we didn't need receivers. Who's been our receiver? If you look at our starting wide receivers from 2017 till now, me, got Cooper Cubs, Robert Woods, Sammy Watkins, Brandon Cooks, you name it, dude, Odell Beckham Jr. How are these guys going to get on the field? My point is that Sean McVay's wasting draft picks on receivers and bearing them down the jet chart because we have some of the best wide receiving course in the NFL from 17 till 2021. And then last year we go out and get Allen Robinson. So guys get buried on the depth chart again, dude. That's what's happening. They're not getting opportunities. They're getting opportunities now 
because we don't have a superstar wide receiving core. And Josh Reynolds is getting opportunities because there's opportunities to be had in Detroit because their wide receiver core isn't, you know, super stellar or whatever, you know, and Jamison suspended or whatever. So when you get buried on the depth chart and you're drafted, there's nothing you can really do about it. They shouldn't have drafted those receivers if they weren't going to, they didn't really need them. If they needed them for depth, fine, I get it. But they weren't going to play. Well, if you need him for death, give him later round. Go get a guy you can use the field earlier. Yeah, they got like Reynolds was a fourth round pick. That's a later round, right? That's fine. But you draft Tutu in the second round and Van Jefferson in the second round, you bury him on the depth chart because you didn't need him. I mean, Tutu's rookie year, it was uh, Cup, Woods, and then they got Odell later. He wasn't getting on the field, dude. You know what I mean? Like, you're not getting on the field if you got those guys out there. So <laughs> no. it's not really his fault either. <laughs> Yeah, All right, guys. Great show yeah. today. Lots of good conversation. And yes, we're looking forward indeed. to a big matchup with the Eagles. Well, boy, we, we better have a great show planned for that one this week. Uh, also, kind of cool, our first ever Twitter spaces. Steve and Johnny over at Bunny Heads are doing the Twitter spaces as we're recording this episode. If you uh, if you pay attention closely, we'll be back on there and you know get get uh, get in there. Have some fun with them. They'll answer any questions. Talk about anything you want to talk about. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at DC Paul. Follow Johnny at Johnny Five Not Six. Follow Steve at Steve Ribeiro. Follow our guys here, Tommy at Ram Tommy in LA, and follow Mike at One Duke Twenty Three. Overall at Talk Rams on X, aka Twitter. But we'll never. But they're always Twitter. In the meantime, we're out of here. Have a great one. Wow. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.